Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. Holy is your name. Worthy are you to be praised. And Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for what you did for us, that we might have eternal life, that we might have true life. We ask now to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we open your word. Would you please guide us? Would you transform us? Would we listen to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going through a sermon series in the book of First John. It's a little book in the New Testament, five chapters long. We're doing it in nine weeks, and we've just crossed the halfway point. So I've been encouraging you to be reading this on your own. You'll get much more from this if you read it on your own. And I've just been encouraged, just as a, a little aside here, I've been encouraged at the heart checks in here, that John and God want us to walk with Christ want us to walk in the light of God himself. And there are things in this wonderful book that we can look at and say, how am I doing at that? How is my heart doing? So I hope that you've been doing that over the, the past month, and I hope you'll continue to do it as we go on from here, as we just set ourselves humbly before God's word and let it do its intended purpose in our lives. Three weeks ago, as we looked at chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, we talked about an old command and a new command, and it's kind of these confusing verses in chapter 2, and you kind of might wonder what they mean, and I said that we were going to explain them later as we got into chapter 3. Well, today is later. So we're going to be explaining them. The old command and the new command, which are eerily similar, uh, and I'll explain the difference between them in just a moment. And then last week, we finished up with chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And I said that was a tie-in, a lead-in into this week, where we're talking about loving our brother, loving one another. So that's our, our theme for the, today. And it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, that, that we're to love one another? Who doesn't want love, right? I, I thought of this phrase, can't we all just love each other? And imagine all the different contexts you could think of people saying that, whether it's a husband and wife, or a family, or a team of some sort. Or I was even thinking, you know, think back to Woodstock. Can't we all just love each other? Who doesn't want love? As we think about, there, there's something written on every single heart, of, I think every person that's ever been born, that knows that we want love. Now, some people abuse that to great lengths. Yeah, I think that there's part of us that knows, part of that fingerprint of God in our lives, that knows that we want to receive love and it only makes sense then that we should be giving love. Or think of it this way, when two people get married, love is in the air. And, and we just wish, you know, couldn't that kind of love just last forever? And everybody's reminding themselves of the kind of love that they want. But then we know that, and I know this from personal experience, that we don't always end up loving others the way that we said that we wanted to. Think about that newly married couple and they start living together now and they start to learn things about each other. Like the wife sees the husband kick his socks off and leave him on the floor and she thinks, why can't he just walk that extra seven feet and put him in the laundry basket? And the husband starts to look at his wife and, and look at his watch and say, how long does it take to put makeup on? <laughs> and there are things that can get in the way of our love for each other if we would let them. And I know this because I'm human and I know that sometimes we let those things get in the way. We would say that we want to love one Can't we all just love each other? Yet by our actions, we all know that something different happens in our lives. Today in our passage in 1 John, we're going to see another heart check. 
And it's actually the same heart check that John did in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. But I guess three verses wasn't enough for him there, so he now expands it into a whole half chapter. And what we're going to do as we look at this heart check, again, is we're going to look at our actions, we're going to look at how well we're doing at, at loving others, but we're not just going to do it so that we can correct our actions. And this is one of the things I want you to get from the book of 1 John. We look at our actions so that we can see what's going on in our hearts. So as we see how we're loving each other, we'll see things that are going on in our hearts, and that's what I really want to analyze with you today. We're going to look at 1 John 3, verses 11 through 24, and I've broken it into three sections. The first section is verses 11 through 15, which I'll read right now. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And by the way, that's the old command, I think, this command to love one another. Jesus said it, it, quote in the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, I believe, the old command. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. My first point today is we are to love one another. Again, John said this is the message you've heard from the beginning, to love one another. It's that old command, the command that God has always wanted his people to do. It's so simple, yet it's so profound. And, And fulfilling that command really gets us a long way. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, 8, he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So again, there's, there's something just perfect about loving each other. That if we're doing it, we're fulfilling the commands of God. And, and simply put, we're to love one another. To illustrate that point, John says that we aren't to be like Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. A pr- pretty obvious one, right? If you're, if you're loving people, you shouldn't murder them. Well, the story is from Genesis 4. It's Cain and Abel. They were brothers, and they were both offering sacrifices to God. Abel offered a sacrifice that it says God looked with favor on. But Cain offered a sacrifice, and it says that God didn't look with favor on his sacrifice. And the result was that Cain got jealous, and Cain asked his brother Abel to go out into the field with him, and he killed him there. Now, it's pretty obvious. Cain didn't love his brother. That's why it says in verse 12, do not be like Cain. That's the kind of no-brainer command, I would say. Don't be like Cain. Don't kill each other, okay? Cain was following the ways of the devil, as it says here, and the devil is a murderer. And John goes on to say it's not just the devil who hates, it's the world who hates as well. There's this truth that the world will hate those who are followers of Christ. And it doesn't say it in this passage, but I would say... Uh, from other places in scripture that our sinful nature also tempts us to hate. So we have this unholy triumvirate of the world, our flesh, and the devil who would all lead us into hate. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's times when we're tempted to follow that path. There's times where we know that we should be loving to people and we just don't do it because we're following the wrong path. But again, the point here, pretty simple one, Cain wasn't walking by faith and out of hatred he killed his brother. And we're not supposed to do that. So my first point today is simple. We are to love one another. 
second point today is that we are to love as Jesus loved. I'm getting this from verses 16 through 18, which I'll read now. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Jesus set the perfect example of how we are to love. And specifically here, John wants us to look at the example that Jesus set by going to the cross. The most loving thing that has ever happened on the face of this earth is when Jesus Christ went to the cross, took our sins upon himself, and paid the penalty that we could never pay. I, I, when you start to ask these questions about who am I, why am I here, why does the world exist, I think that God created this world. And, and when you think about it, even, even before the world exists, think before God made the world, God existed in a perfect unity of relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit always existed, always have loved each other with this perfect love. And they, they created the world. And I think one of the reasons they created the world, one of the main reasons, because God wanted to draw us into a love relationship with himself. But we messed that up with our own sin. And what happens then at the cross is where we see the great love of God to love us sinners and to draw us back into a relationship with himself. That any of us who receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord can be brought into that love relationship with him. So when we think about love, John tells us that the first place that we should be looking to is the cross and see the ultimate act of love. In John 15, 13, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We're called to love. We've been given the perfect example of love. And we think about the great lengths that Jesus went to show his love to us. And what it says in John now is that we, too, are to lay down our lives for our brothers. That perfect love that Jesus showed us on the cross we're supposed to show that love to other people as well. That's why verse 17 tells us that if we have material possessions and we see someone in need, we should help them. And similarly in verse 18, that we're not supposed to love simply with words, but with our actions. A couple of illustrations here. Uh, I got a call at about... Well, I got a message on my phone. I didn't get to it till after 9 o'clock. I'd just gotten the kids to bed, and you parents know, you know that can be kind of like, oh, finally, now I get to relax a little bit and say, oh, I got a message on my phone. Call the guy back. The guy had a terrible day. Uh, wife um, went to the hospital, really, really serious sort of a deal. He's from out of town. He's a really poor guy. I, I've known him before. And uh, he says, you know, it's, it's a terrible day. And he says, by the way, at the end, uh, I got this really splitting headache. I don't have any money to buy some headache medicine. Can you get me some? And, and I, you know, there's this part of me that's thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, you know, get out, get, get in my car, go drive. I don't really want to do that. Um, but, you know, better thoughts prevailed in my mind, and I said, sure, I can do that. I've got lots of headache medicine here. So I, I put some headache medicine in a, in a plastic bag, and, and as I'm driving there, I'm thinking, oh, boy, this might look... We said we were going to meet in a parking lot, and I'm going to hand <laughs> him a bag. So like, I'll, I'll try to do that differently next time. But anyways, I, I gave the guy the headache medicine, and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't just say to that guy, oh, bummer of a deal that you got that splitting headache. I'll pray for you. Hope it goes well. That's not love. Or another illustration here. Every once in a while, for those of you that are on our email list, uh, and if you're not on that list, by the way, you can just give me your email address. I'd be glad to add you. But you know that every once in a while I send out things that say, 
Um, you know, somebody just had surgery and we want to bless them with meals this week. Who, who will do it? Or somebody's moving and they need help carrying some boxes. Who will do it? You know, it's not enough for us to say, boy, I hope that move goes well. You know, there should be times where we should be saying, yes, I can help. You know, sometimes we can't. Obviously, you know, sometimes things come up and we just can't be there. But sometimes we should. It's not good enough to just say that we love one another. And let's think of it this way. If we love God, if we've received that love from Him, shouldn't we then love one another? And if we love one another, it should show in our actions. Think about that. How do we know that God loves us? Imagine if God never did anything loving for you, but the Bible says that He loves you. Don't you think you might kind of scratch your head and, and start to say, well, how? He says He loves me, but you know, maybe we wouldn't see how He loves. But that's not what God did for us. God says that He loves us, and He showed us the greatest act of love ever. And that's the way that we should be loving other people as well, with action. Now, these first two points probably aren't new to you at all. We're to love one another. We're to love as Jesus loved. In fact, theologically, those are incredibly simple points. But I want to add some tension in here now. Going back to that first point, we're to love one another. We aren't to murder like Cain did, but it goes on to say in verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. It's the same thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So murder is bad, but so is hatred toward our brother. So I hope that none of you have murdered anybody. But if we start to extend that now into the area of anger and hatred, who of us here could say that we've never been angry or never hated our brother? And by the way, the word brother here, I think it includes women, and it either refers to the body of believers or to our neighbors in general. And if the standard is that we're supposed to love those people, how are we doing? If we're supposed to love them as Jesus loved, how are we doing? Now, I'm not proud of it, but I would say that there are certainly times in my life when things haven't gone my way and I've responded poorly. Whether it's I'm playing basketball and a call doesn't go my way or something happens with the kids that doesn't go my way. There are far too many times for all of us where we don't respond the right way. And it's, it's a heart check. We need to figure out why am I doing that? It's not just a matter of you know, brushing off saying, oh, that wasn't me. What we should be doing is looking at our hearts and saying, what does it say about me? What does it say about how I'm walking with God right now that I just responded like that? Or think of it this way. There's a saying that goes like this. Maybe you've heard it. Familiarity breeds contempt. The idea is that sometimes we get the most angry at the people that we're closest to. Our family, our friends, our co-workers. Do you ever get angry at those people? How do we react when things don't go our way? Do we always react with love? Or is it sometimes hatred? Or let's look at this in regard to our second point today. Where the second point was we are to love as Jesus loved. Jesus loved people who sinned against him. He loved so much that he laid down his life. And it goes on to say that we too are to lay down our lives for our brothers. Do you love sacrificially? 
Do you love those people that are difficult to love? Those annoying people? Those stubborn people? Those people that don't love you back? Do you love them? Do you give of your life for them? Now, I'm not asking that every one of us goes out and dies for somebody today. But I am asking that we should look to the example of Jesus and say, that's how much he loved me. I can sure show that love to other people. In his power, I can do that. Or you, if we're going to look at it another way, are you willing to give of your possessions to the needy? How do you respond when somebody asks you for something? It can be really easy for us to start to think about how undeserving these people might be. Oh, well, I've seen them waste their money. on. Why should I help them out now when they just, you know, wait? But where in the Bible does it say, give to the poor if they deserve it? I think it just says, give to the poor. If the idea is that we should love one another and that we should do so as Jesus did, who of us could ever live up to that standard? The old command is to love one another. The new command, as we'll see in verse 23, is that we are to love as Jesus loved. So it's the same command, but it's just kind of up to notch. And it says we're, we're to love as Jesus loved. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'd see how often we fall short of that standard. And what can happen then in us is that our hearts can start to condemn us. Our hearts can start to say, oh, you're not good enough. You're not really doing it right. Now, it's interesting. The book of 1 John is written to assure believers of our salvation. One of, the, one of the key verses in there, I've written this so that you may know that you have eternal life. Yet what happens here, ironically, is John is telling us how we can check our hearts and see how we're doing in our relationship with God as he says, you should love as Jesus loved. And we say, well, but I can't. I, or at least, you know, I know that I fall short sometimes. So what should we do when our hearts condemn us? Well, I want to move on to the third point now, and I want to read verses 19 through 24. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. My third point today is that we can have confidence before God. We can have confidence before God. Yes, we, we fall short of the standard sometimes, and that's a problem. It's not like we should just brush that aside and say, no big deal. It, it is a problem that we fall short of the standards sometimes. But oftentimes the result in our hearts is that we feel condemnation. We may feel that we've failed beyond repair or that God has turned his back on us or stopped loving us or thinks less of us. That's what it means for us to be human is that sometimes our hearts say those things to us. And we might hear our hearts saying, there you go again. You claim to be a Christian, but look what you just did. What do we do with those thoughts? Well, John tells us there's something we can do to put our hearts at rest. And what we're supposed to do is to realize that God is greater than our hearts. I'll explain that a little bit here. Uh, 
Is it true that if we have failed to love as Jesus loved, that we are condemned? Is that true? No, it's not true because there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. God knows everything. He knows that we've sinned, but he also knows that he sent Christ to forgive our sins. So one of the first things that we're to do is we're to look to God and say, okay, I know that I messed up, but I also know that in Christ, I'm not condemned. Those self-condemning thoughts that are running through my heart and my mind are not the final judge of me. As I said last week, John tells us four times in a short letter that we can have confidence before God. This confidence comes from God who wants us to grow in maturity. It's, it's rooted in the truth of God and it's rooted in the love of Christ shown for us on the cross. Let me give you a list of five reasons from this passage that we can have confidence in God. The first is, if we believe in Jesus, we belong to him. Verse 23 tells us that the command of God is for us to believe in Jesus, to put our faith in him. And if we do so, condemnation is gone, as it says in Romans 8, because we're in Christ Jesus and our sins are taken away. Now, the word believe is a strong word. In, in English, it kind of is this wishy-washy sort of word. Like, oh, I believe in you. I believe you can hit that home run. Oh, you didn't hit it. That's okay. That's not what we're talking about here. This kind of word is a deep trust. It's a giving of our lives to God. It's, it's us saying to God, I know that I can't lead my life on my own ways anymore. God, I need you, I give my life to you, I believe in you, I trust in you. And if we have put our faith in Christ that way, our sins are forgiven and we can have confidence then in the final verdict. Second reason we can have confidence is if we love one another. And again, this is from verse 23, where it says that the command of God is to love one another as he, Jesus, commanded us. Or early, as we've seen other places, as Jesus loved us. Um, it reminds me of the second greatest commandment. Remember, somebody asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how do we get confidence from that? Well, here's the idea. If we see ourselves loving our neighbors, it's evidence of the life of God flowing through us, the love of God flowing through us. So it actually can give us confidence as we love and serve other people. Now, we don't earn our way to God by this sort of love. It's not like we get this confidence because we love other people and then we say, hey God, look how good of a job I've been doing loving other people. Will you accept me now? It's not like that. But as we continue to walk in faith and love others, it is supposed to increase our confidence because we're walking in the light. Number three, we can have confidence because we know that God is greater than our hearts. If our hearts condemn us, again, if those thoughts run through our hearts or our minds saying that we're not good enough, we go to God. If we feel condemnation, we don't stay there. And, and I, I mentioned this before, but the final judge of our souls is not our own thoughts. It's so easy for us to pay attention to those thoughts that run through our minds. It's so easy for us to say, oh yeah, well, maybe, maybe I have failed. Maybe... Maybe God does hate me. It's so easy for us to start to listen to those things. But our souls are not the final judge of our souls. God is the final judge of our souls. And he's greater than our hearts. Now a side note here, I feel that this is important. Because we shouldn't listen to that self-condemnation that comes from our hearts, which really comes from our enemy. 
the accuser. Did you know that's one of the names of Satan is the accuser? He accuses us, tries to convince us that we've failed. If, that, if it's the condemnation, we shouldn't listen to it. But if it's conviction from God, we should listen to it. Now this takes, this takes training. This takes a while for us to grow in righteousness so that we can discern the difference between when it's God's voice and when it's not God's voice. Because if it's God pointing out a sin in our lives, we should say, you're right, God, and I should flee from that. But if it's God's voice, it won't have that condemnation along with it. It will have the purpose of causing us to grow in righteousness. So we need to discern between conviction and condemnation. And the, the best way I know how to do that is to continue to walk with God in the light, and he'll show you. Fourth way that we can have confidence with God is if we obey Him and do what's pleasing to Him in verse 22. Again, this is a sign that we're on the right track. And just like I talked about with love, we, we don't earn our way to God by doing what's right. But the truth is, once we've placed our faith in Christ, we should be obeying Him and doing what pleases Him. And if we're doing that, we can grow in confidence because we're walking in the light. That's a big theme of the book of 1 John is walking in the light. And if we're walking in the light, we will grow in our confidence. One of the results of this confidence is that we can go confidently to God in prayer and expect answers. I want to reread verses 21 and 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Really? Anything we ask? Does that sound strange? Did you know that at least eight times in the New Testament the same teaching is given? That if we're walking with God in the light, we can ask Him for anything and He'll give it to us. Now, there's a big, big, huge if in here. If you're walking in the light. You can't overlook that one. Here's the idea. If we're walking in the light, if we're constantly in fellowship with Christ, if we're doing what pleases Him, if we're following His ways, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit our desires will be what his desires are. And then we can go to God confidently and ask him for the things that he's told us in his word that he wants us to have. So if we're walking in the light, we can go to God confidently in prayer and ask for the things that we know are according to his will and he'll give them to us. But that confidence is only for those who are walking in the light. So how's your daily walk with God going? Again, as we're talking about how we grow in confidence, there's no shortcut around this. And it's kind of like training for a marathon. There's no shortcut to training for a marathon. You've got to put in the work and do it. And if you want to grow in your confidence, you don't just kind of show up once a year and say, hey, give me my shot of confidence and I'll be back next year for it. If you want confidence, you pursue God daily. So how are you doing in your daily walk with the Lord? Are you worshiping Him? Praising Him? Are you meeting with Him in prayer? Are you meeting with Him in His Word? Are you committed to the fellowship of believers so that you can encourage others and be encouraged by others? So that you can receive teaching and give teaching? How's your walk with God going? We gain confidence as we continue to walk with Him. And the fifth way that we can have confidence in our walk with God is because God gives the Holy Spirit to those who follow Him, as it says in verse 24. Now, just like we looked at the end of a passage last week as a lead-in to the next passage, I think that this verse on the Holy Spirit is a lead-in to next week. So we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit next week. But for now, we'll just say that one of the ways we have confidence is because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And there's some wonderful truths that go along with that.
John wants us to know that we can have this confidence. One of the repeated phrases in the book of 1 John is, this is how we know. He wants us to know. And I, I love that. I love that God has given us these things and he wants us to know them. wants them to strengthen our souls. We're called to a high level of love in this passage. And we shouldn't pretend that we always respond perfectly. But what we should be doing is not feeling the dejection or the condemnation that can so easily come. Instead, we should be growing in that confidence that God wants to give us. The confidence of walking in love, receiving love from God, and then expressing that love to others. So when our hearts condemn us, we entrust ourselves to God's mercy. We ask for forgiveness, and we ask Him to strengthen us. And instead of condemnation, we have confidence. And the confidence then, is, I, I kind of want to bring this sermon all together right now, is that the confidence that we can grow in will cause us to love God and to love others more. So here's my conclusion. Our love for others is to flow from our love for God and our faith in Jesus. Our love for others is to flow from our love for God and our faith in Jesus. So again, I'm asking you to do a heart check here. And I'm asking you to look at how well you're doing at loving other people. And if your first response is to say, oh boy, I wish Pastor wanted to talk about that one today. You just go to God. I'm not asking you to do seven months of penance. Or, I, I'm saying that right now you go to God and you, you confess your sins to Him. You ask for forgiveness and you ask for strength to do the right thing. And we ask for that today. Again, we, we get our daily bread today. We, we don't get a month's worth of this stuff or a year's worth all at once. We daily walk with God, trusting that he will give us the strength to love like that. Verse 23 is key. We are to believe in Jesus and to love one another. And notice that belief comes first there. I, think, I find that interesting. If we have believed that God loves us, and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and if we have placed our faith in him, he will cause us to grow in our love. For walking with him, that's one of the results, one of the overflows of the abundance in us will be that we love others. We talked about this last week, but as we walk with Christ, God transforms us, makes us more and more like Christ. And one of the results is that we love more. We love because God changes us. I'm not asking you to love out of your limited resources. I'm asking you to love out of the unlimited resources that God has and that he'll fill you with if you walk with him daily. And the result, again, we grow in confidence. And as we grow in that confidence in God, we can grow in our love for other people. So do you want confidence in your walk with God? Do you want to love other people better? I suggest you do this heart check then. And one of the reasons I'm asking you to read and reread the book of 1 John is because I don't just want you to do this right here in the next three minutes, you know, before we sing our next song. I want you to talk to God about this one. I want you to talk to God about how you're doing in your love for other people. I want you to ask the difficult question to God saying, God, what does this say about how I love you? The way that I've responded to my wife or my coworkers or my kids. What does that say about the way that I love you, God? Would you please show me what's wrong and lead me in the way everlasting?
So that's what we do if we see that we're not loving others the way that we should. We go to God and repent and ask for strength, ask for forgiveness. But on the other hand, if you do love others, if you're doing this heart check and you, and you say, well, huh, I guess I've been pretty loving here lately, you can take that as a sign that you're walking with the Lord. Now it's not to say, oh, I you know, passed that test and I'm done with that. And it's not like that but to say that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the things that God wants to produce in us. And if we see it in our lives, we should say, that came from God. Praise the Lord. Now God, continue to strengthen me so that I can continue to walk in that. Love is a test of the genuineness of our walk with God. Do you love others? Do you love as Jesus loved? If we truly love God, his love will overflow in our lives into the lives of other people. And we shouldn't expect perfection, but we should expect that we will grow in this. So again, let's walk with Christ, and as we do so, God will transform us and strengthen us and give us confidence and help us to love others. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you because you are the God who is the author of love. You have always loved us you've shown us the great act of love of Christ on the cross I pray that we would all know that love and if there's anyone here God who doesn't or maybe isn't sure if they know that love we just even pray right now that, that we would see that love and respond in faith to you giving our lives to you even coming to Christ if that's what that means for the first time but God we want to continue to walk with you. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. We pray now that we would love others as Jesus loved. We pray that you would strengthen us, that you would cause us to grow in our confidence. And Lord, when we see that we've messed up, we pray that we would go straight to you, not listening to the condemnation of our hearts, but going to you and asking for forgiveness and strength. Lord, I pray that we would walk in the light, that that would be the continual pattern of our lives, that we walk with you, that we're strengthened by you, and that the overflow is that we love one another. And may all this be for your glory, God, as you transform us and make us more and more like Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.